Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. going welcome or welcome back to the being better podcast i am julia and it is my job on this show to introduce you to various practices and concepts related to health happiness learning productivity spirituality and wellness thank you so much for tuning in and it's a pleasure to have you here with me and like always before we get into the good stuff Let's talk about the even better stuff, which is my recommendation of the week segment in which I share with you something that I have been enjoying lately that I think you might find interesting, funny, or just, you know, enjoyable. So my recommendation for you this week is a YouTube channel called Boho Beautiful. I think you've probably heard about it before, but in case you haven't, it is one of the most popular yoga channels on YouTube. It was created by a very cute couple, Juliana and Mark, and for a good couple of years they have been creating different yoga classes to share with, you know, the world. And I have to say that they have been my favorite channel and my go-to whenever I have been just kind of uninspired to think of my own yoga flow. And that's because they stay true to what yoga is supposed to be and they make sure to combine the physical practice of moving your body with the spiritual practice of mindfulness and meditation. I've tried a lot of online yoga classes recently and I have to say that I've been a little disappointed because a lot of them have stripped it down to just another type of workout you can do or just some stretching after a weight session that you can do. And what I've also found a little annoying is that now there are a lot of, you know, just fitness creators who make yoga classes without really knowing much about it and knowing its true purpose and knowing its history and its origins. But I think Juliana and Mark from Boho Beautiful really know their stuff and they implement different types of yoga in their classes. So it's easy to find something for you, no matter if you are feeling more like doing a relaxing yin yoga class or a power yoga for sweating it out. So I don't know how much I've talked about it before, but I've actually been practicing yoga and meditation more consistently in the past couple of months, which I have to say I'm very proud of myself for that. And what has changed basically was just that after waking up, I would do a 20 or 30 minute yoga class and then about 15 minutes of meditation. And I have to say that I have found it very helpful in my struggles with self-doubt and overthinking. And if you have been listening to past episodes, you know that I have really, really struggled with that. So I think I want to make an entire episode about my experience with, with yoga and also with practicing meditation more consistently. But I think I have to practice it for a little longer because I know that my practice and therefore its effects are still changing and evolving 
and maybe I will learn even more and maybe learn different things. But definitely stay tuned for that because I'm going to be real humble and say that I think it's going to be a great episode. So that has been my recommendation for you. You can find the link in the episode description. And now let's move on to the main part of this episode. And well, today I want to talk about why life sucks. Because it really is so bad. I mean, as I am recording this, it has been raining nonstop for over a week here. And as you probably noticed, there is an ever-growing wave of bad news from all over the world, like the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, or Hurricane Ida hitting Louisiana, or the growing cases of people coming down with the Delta variant, or that the inflation rates are going up and there's an economy crisis. And then I've been feeling kind of sluggish recently, I have to say. I got into a fight with my loved one. I am falling behind on my work and I even burned my oatmeal this morning and just everything seems to be so bad and life is kind of awful. And I was kind of thinking, why do I even bother getting up in the morning? And now pay attention to what this has made you feel. Are you feeling down too? You see, the power of negativity is incredible. Not only have I managed to bring myself down and spiral, but I have also managed to infect you with it. How incredible is that? Think how the world would be like if positivity had the same power as negativity. I think we would definitely not struggle as much with depression and anxiety as we do today. So as you have probably guessed by now, this week's episode is about the negativity bias and why we pay so much attention to the bad things in our life and do not notice all the great things that happen to us on a daily basis. And look, I mean, I'm aware that at the moment there's plenty of legitimately bad news, often terrible news about the COVID-19 pandemic or the climate crisis. But even in normal times, the bad news you see is often sensationalized and arguably not worth of the bold headlines. But it gets our attention and it keeps our attention and it keeps us coming back for more. I mean, I probably don't need to tell you this, do I? Not if you've ever read a newspaper or watched TV news or have spent five minutes on Facebook or YouTube. But do you know why we are so attracted to bad news? Often at the expense of neutral or good news. Scientists think that they know why and they attribute it to what's called the negativity bias. So yeah, let's delve deep into this concept and learn why humans are such grumpy pens. So first let's talk about the science. And what is negativity bias? And well, it is the universal tendency of bad events and emotions to affect us more strongly than comparable good ones. And it doesn't just apply to the articles you choose to read, but it works its way into our personal relationships, our work relationships, our view of the world. The negativity bias can even cause you to dwell on something negative even if something positive is equally or even more present. For example, you might spend all day with a friend and have a wonderful time, but if they make one comment 
that somehow gets under your skin, you may end up remembering the day just for that comment, categorizing the experience as negative when actually the entire day was positive. I mean, maybe you have noticed before that the impact of bad things seems to be stronger than the impact of good things. Economists have noticed it too, and they called it loss aversion. Loss aversion, first described by the psychologist Danny Kahneman and Amos Traversky, notes that people are generally more sensitive to losses than to gains, even if they are equal in magnitude. So they have tested this and measured people's reaction to winning and losing money. For example, losing $50 is going to hurt you more than gaining $50 is going to make you happy. And this also applies to acceptance and rejection. So there were studies designed in which people were coming to the lab and interacting with someone and either were accepted or rejected or, you know, just a natural interaction which functioned as a control group. And then the scientists measured their subsequent behavior in a variety of contexts. Were these people more aggressive towards someone else? Were they more helpful? Did they do more stupid, short-sighted, self-destructive things? And over and over again, the effect of rejection was much stronger than the effect of acceptance on all these different variables. So when it comes to winning or losing money, or when it comes to being accepted or rejected, or when it comes to having a great day or a bad day, the bad outcome has a far greater impact on us. How greater, you might ask? Well, the studies that I have read note that in general, it takes about four good things to overcome one bad thing. Now, that's a rule of thumb and it doesn't apply to every kind of situation, but it's a good thing to keep in mind in evaluating the impact of our action and in evaluating how you are doing in life. You know that if you are late for one meeting, you probably won't make up for it by showing up early the next time. Or if you stole five bucks from someone, it wouldn't be enough to just give them the five bucks back. You probably would need to give them 20 or 25 to come back to having that clean state. So these studies prove that we have negativity bias, but you might think, well, why? Why do we have this? Is something wrong with us? As a species, are we just flawed? And, well, as many tendencies of human psychology, like comparing ourselves to others or obsessing over social status, the negativity bias is also just a product of the way we evolved and what qualities have helped us survive these thousands of years on the savannah. We inherited the genes that predispose us to give special attention to those negative aspects of our environments that could be harmful to us. So you can say that negativity effect evolved just because it helped keep our ancestors alive. You know, there's the saying, life has to win every day and death only has to win once. And so it was more important for our ancestors to pay attention to not eating poisonous berries than to kind of really savor the good ones. You had to pay more attention to the predatory lions than, well, that the sun is shining. If you missed out on a great opportunity for great food or sex or any kind of life-affirming thing, well, 
okay, that's not too bad because you might have one another day. But if you missed out on a dangerous predator and failed to notice it, well, that will put your life to an end. So part of this psychological mechanism is that the mind was shaped by evolution to pay attention to risk and risk is confined with pretty much only negative things. And thus, we have a negativity bias today as well. And also my personal theory for why we have this bias is because nowadays we have more positive things going on in our lives rather than the negative things, if you think about it. I mean, most of the times you are well fed and you have the roof over your head and you have friends and you can you know go out and there are actually more good things and in the sea of good things it's more easy to notice the bad ones i mean i think about it as if you have a blank canvas and it's everything is white and you have one small black dot in the center of it you don't notice the white big blank canvas you only notice the black dot as if there is nothing else. So I think because the quality of our lives is so high these days, we kind of got used to the good things and the bad things seem just more noticeable and there is more contrast and contrast makes us notice these things. So this is kind of my personal theory. So this is why. And if you think that you notice more of the bad things in your life or you are more cranky just because I don't know you were late for the bus and if you think only about that it's normal and don't beat yourself up for it so I think that it is normal however we still can get over that and we still can fight this tendency of ours to just be negative So yeah, I still think it's important to pay attention to bad things when you are in crisis because talking about and overcoming these setbacks when being in a dangerous situation is key to getting out of it. And it's important to pay attention to that. But life has gotten so much safer right now than it ever was and it is so much more peaceful than it ever was. And yet we still have this ancient reaction to catastrophize and imagine the worst and the effect of that is that now we live in a high bad environment and we are just surrounded all day by people trying to get our attention on various screens and they know that the easiest way to do that is to scare us to tell us the bad news to tell us that there's a crisis so the merchants of bad, as I call them, are just going at us around the clock trying to sell us their wares. And our ancient brain just immediately reacts. So my first tip that I have for you to overcome this negativity bias is to avoid news or at least the traditional news such as the newspapers or TV news broadcasts. And I mean, for decades now, there has been a discussion about whether the news media is too negative and too problem-based instead of solution-based. You know, journalists have always worked by the principle, if it bleeds, it leads. And that's why you pretty much never see first page headlines being about positive events. I mean, there may be a small section somewhere in the back of that newspaper, but there is never 
a positive headline like world the world is great and there are so many people who did not die on the first page but these days this is even more visible because what's different now is how technology has made more news more available all the time i mean virtually inescapable even if you don't opt into every news alert about the latest shooting or political outrage somebody close to you probably does and they will let you know about it and for media outlets this emphasis on alarming news is just a business decision the more people click the more money they make but this has a very harmful impact on the consumers I mean, there has been surveys and a recent survey from the Pew Research Center found that around two-thirds of U.S. adults feel worn out by the bad news and more than half of social media users say that they are worn out by political posts and discussions. So how are you supposed to counteract a high-bad environment? Well, the answer is just don't tune in the news as much. What I do, for example, is I don't watch the news altogether. I mean, if something important happens, I know that someone will tell me about it. My friends or my family or somehow through Instagram, I will just get the news. So I just skim the first pages of the New York Times, which is a magazine that I choose to read. And I just skip to the science section for some updates on recent discoveries or New York Times opinion are my favorite because they do not really talk about the news, but still you can get updated on recent events without just getting depressed, I guess. But what you can also do is use platforms such as Reasons to be Cheerful, which is a web-based, I guess you can say, solutions journalism magazine that highlights things that are showing positive changes and hopeful initiatives around the world. So again, it is called Reasons to be Cheerful, and I will link this page in the episode description but i know that there are so many pages like this and also on other platforms like on instagram or twitter i'm sure you can find something for you if you just spend five minutes looking for it if you write positive news or i think on instagram there's like this good news moment page that i follow it's great i mean it really is so heartwarming to look at the posts and also one of the best and biggest tips i can give you is remembering that positivity even if a little less than negativity is also very very contagious so i think we should share joy and that when something good happens you should tell someone about it And whenever someone tells you about something good, respond enthusiastically or, I don't know, try to at least fake it. Because it is really amazing how much that helps and how much the good stuff help. So I really try to, you know, smile at strangers and hold doors for someone or, I don't know, help to pick something which someone lost or I don't know just make those little good deeds that make other people smile because remembering that positivity has a power too I think is very helpful I mean sure negativity is much more powerful but I think 
if we all focus on working on the muscle of our positivity, then I think the world can really be different and it can be noticeable how the day-to-day life is going to be easier for us if we switch to being more positive. And another tip is we should be aware of these negative patterns that we have. So pay attention and notice your negative self-dialogue and try to substitute positive approaches. So for example, you idiot becomes well, I wish I had made a different choice, but I will remember how I wish I had acted and apply it to future solutions. So you can train yourself to gently recognize what is happening when negative patterns start to get activated and practice doing something each and every time, even something very small, to break that pattern. For example, for me, the pattern is usually time-based because I'm a very impatient person so I get into this negative spiral that everything is bad in my life whenever I just don't have time and whenever someone is late for a meeting with me or whenever I am late somewhere and I paid attention that this is usually whenever I start to think that life is just awful and I hate everything because I don't have the time to relax and now that I know that these times is usually when I feel bad I pay attention to whenever I feel short on time and I just kind of stop myself and think well Julia those appointments and time is not everything and even if you're late for something and even if you miss a deadline that's okay just my mental health is more important and I try to prioritize that. So try to pay attention to what kind of situations make you the most stressed and the most negative and try to catch yourself before that negative spiral starts. And another thing you can do is practice gratitude. So long-time listeners know that I am a big fan of the three blessings exercise I talked about it a lot in previous episodes, so chances are you already know what it is. Um, But if you don't, it's as simple as writing down three things you are grateful for each day. But that's just one practice to strengthen that muscle of gratitude. And the overall goal is to make being thankful and appreciative as intuitive as breathing. Because that translates to a more happy and more just colorful life, as well as to you being a person who's hard to bring down, who's resilient and who can persevere even the hardest moments in life. So no matter how you want to strengthen that muscle of gratitude, make sure you put effort into that practice because I think It is actually one of the most important abilities that we need to develop in our whole life. I think it is the most powerful one and the most useful one. So what I do is the three blessings exercise. But if you know any other practices, then try to do it because it really makes a difference. And then you can actually catch yourself being happier even if you stop practicing it for a while. And my last advice for you is to remember that it takes more positive things to overcome the negative ones. So 
As an example of this, I want to tell you about what science calls the Gottman ratio. So John Gottman was a famous relationships researcher who looked at married couples. And he came to the conclusion that a relationship will continue to be happy and be a satisfied marriage if there are five good things for every bad one. So, you know, he says that the ratio is five to one. I earlier in different studies found that it's four to one. And it just shows that there really is not a set rule. Um, so, yeah, just keep in mind that it's, you know, five to one, four to one, something about that. So what he found is the F rule, which is five fucks for every fight or five fornications for every fight would be a more polite version of it but yeah just got one found that the couples who do that who have sex after you know a fight and kind of focus on having more positive interactions for every one fight just made the couples healthier and their relationships stronger so whatever bad thing happens to you if for example right you get into a fight with someone remember that you need to put more pressure on yourself and focus more on doing more good things or if you had a incredibly hard and stressful day feel free to get a couple of days off work or just work less and remember to relax because the ratio is just a bit different and sometimes you just need to have more days to relax and to recover even for just that one day that was incredibly stressful. And that is it. Those are the things that you can do to overcome the negativity bias. Again, I just want to say that don't beat yourself up for it. We all have it and it's natural. It is wired in our brain. So we notice the bad things because those are just related to risk. And well, we don't want to die. And it's absolutely okay that sometimes you feel just down but try to actually pay attention to why that is and if you can catch yourself to stop spiraling and notice those good things and before i go let's quickly move on to the inside of this week segment in which i share some kind of realization that i had or a situation that made me think of something that was funny or interesting or whatever. Um, today I want to share with you my realization that we have this culture of forced humbleness and I really, really hate it. We live in a world where it's not really good to say that you succeeded and say that you are proud of yourself. I mean, it's like you shouldn't say that you're successful or you shouldn't say that I am hot or that I'm feeling hot or you shouldn't say that well I just earned a big paycheck it somehow became this thing that you can let someone else notice but never directly say to them like when someone says wow you look incredible you are supposed to say well yeah I I guess, I don't know, I mean, thank you so much, but there are so many people who look better, 
I mean, I just kind of rolled out of bed. I mean, or just say that, oh no, stop it. I look awful. No. And I just think that it's so fucked up that we have this culture. I mean, you should celebrate your wins and your privileges. And it doesn't mean that you are bragging. I mean, it doesn't mean that you are bragging as long as you make sure that you are grateful for these blessings and you appreciate it and you are aware that other people do not have these privileges. But I cannot see the point of pretending that we are humble and actually making your success smaller just to, I don't know, virtue signal? I think it's like virtue signaling based that we show that those things are not important to us, I guess. I just really, really hate it. So yeah, my insight of the week is that we should own and celebrate our blessings and our successes. Because who will if not we, truly? I mean, if you do not say well, I look hot today, then who will? If you don't say, well, I'm proud of myself for getting this promotion, then who else will? No one else knows that you worked your ass off to get that promotion. Only you know. So when you are looking in the mirror, you are allowed to say, damn, there she is. Or share that you got a raise with your friends. I mean, I really do love when my friends are like, tell me I look good because I feel amazing and I think I'm hot. Yes, you are and own it. And I'm just so proud of them that they can see how incredible people they are because I see that they are incredible and I want them to notice it too. And I think as long as we can make sure that the people that we share our success, our blessings, our privilege with can be included in the celebration, I cannot see how they wouldn't be happy for you. And I mean, I kind of think if they are not happy for you, for your race or for the fact that you think you look good, if they are not happy for you, then kind of at the end of the day, ask yourself, do you really want to surround yourself with people who aren't capable of being happy for you because I don't know it triggers their insecurity and I'm not saying that these kind of people are bad and that you should I don't know stop seeing them because lord knows that I can be jealous sometimes too and it's okay but I just think we need to steer away from a culture in which it is frowned upon to celebrate the gifts you've been given from life. So I think we should normalize jealousy and stop acting as if if people are jealous of us, it's our fault. Because if I am jealous of someone, I know that it only speaks to what kind of person I am and it only speaks to what kind of goals that I have that I have not yet achieved and I use my jealousy as a compass so I think we should celebrate our successes be happy for the successes of others and if these successes make us feel bad then ask ourselves well why doesn't make me feel bad and what does it say about my relationship with myself and my relationship with them 
sometimes I am jealous of people because I really like them and I want to be like them. And I kind of notice that also I'm sometimes jealous of people which I do not really like and I just am looking for reasons to hate them even more. But yeah, I think we should really stop this fake humbleness culture because it really just makes us feel bad. I think we should not act as if we are not proud of ourselves and make our successes smaller. I mean, especially for women. Women are taught to be humble and I mean, you should show the world that you, in spite of all the inequalities, you got the job that you wanted, you got that pay raise. And then we should be happy for one another. I think women are taught to kind of antagonize one another. And, you know, when a woman is confident and when she looks great and when she got a raise, she's looked at as if she was a bitch and she's called a bitch and we kind of bring each other down and I think women we should build each other up and celebrate that she looks hot and she feels hot and she is successful in her career and she did all that in spite all of the odds that were against her and I think it's just so unfair that we do it to ourselves and we do it to others so this was kind of a rant and I think I want to make a whole episode about it especially from a perspective of being a young woman and growing up in a society that tells you uh, that you're not good enough and if you show that you are good enough then something is wrong with you and you are being self-centered or selfish or egotistic So I just think that it's all very fucked up. And as you can see, I kind of got angry. Um, So yeah, let me know if you would like me to make an episode about that. I would really love to. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode, for listening to my insight. And before I go, I just want to tell you to please take care of yourself. And if you can, someone else too. and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the episode description or at beingbetter.pod. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one and the best one is to share the podcast with your friends and with your family. Tell them why you enjoy it and why they might enjoy it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. And another way to help the show is to write a review, rate or subscribe to the podcast because that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you in the next one.